Welcome to Elevate Ed for SC, a video podcast series exploring education transformation in South Carolina. I'm your host, Rashonda Pratt. If you believe that it's time to elevate the conversation from traditional reform ideas and move to real transformation, then you're in the right place. In this series, you have heard success stories of how education transformation is already happening in some South Carolina schools. The vodcast first season has told stories, raised questions, and looked at solutions, some radical and some right in front of us. We have enjoyed sharing those stories with you throughout this season. The sponsor of this vodcast is All for SC, a University of South Carolina initiative that is leading the way in advocating a whole child approach to education. We're coming to you from the beautiful Kennedy Greenhouse Studio on the U of SC Horseshoe. This is the final episode of our vodcast first season. We have learned about how we can transform education from a variety of stakeholders who have included teachers, students, community members, and even policymakers. We have listened to their perspectives and heard their hopes for the future of education here in South Carolina. In this episode, we will talk about how we can truly make those hopes a reality for all of our state's young people. First, let's explore innovative learning and teaching across the country. We are joined today by Ted Dentersmith, one of our country's most successful businessmen. He's a venture capitalist as well as a thought leader in innovation and education, and he lives right here in South Carolina. In 2016, Ted traveled to all 50 states and met teachers in ordinary circumstances doing extraordinary things. He recounted his travels in his book, What School Could Be. This work gave Ted insight about what leads to powerful learning in classrooms and how we can empower teachers to make it happen. Also, we are joined with Merritt Jones, one of our regular contributors. She's a total rock star. She's a fellow with All for SC and an advisor with Student Voice. Welcome, Ted and Merritt. Glad to have you here. Terrific. Ted, so let's start with you. How did a venture capitalist get involved in transforming education? Yeah, I had a ringside seat to the world of innovation so I could see how fast the world was changing and had a pretty good sense of what skills and mindsets young kids would need to do well going forward. And then honestly, with my own kids, as they started moving up in years Mm -hmm. in school, I said, whoa, they're being pushed to be good at exactly what machine intelligence does and the things that are gonna be essential for them are being discouraged. And that seemed like a massive disconnect. And so I said, this seems like a good, important challenge to dive into. Wow, talk about being forward thinking. So Merritt, I heard the two of you have a really interesting story to share with us today. Yeah, so I was gonna say how Ted and I met. I was a high school senior. Mm -hmm. I think starting to think about some of these same questions and Ted had just put out Most Likely to Succeed, a documentary film he produced. that really documented the story of, of a lot of what you just mentioned, the fact that you know this disconnect between the standardization and standardization, and that what we needed was creativity, and you went and documented a school that is doing a lot of that, which is high-tech high in California, which maybe we'll talk a little bit about. But um, you know, we met at a screening right here in Columbia mm-hmm. when he was film, screening it right, right downtown, and I went and I um, struck up a conversation with Ted, told him I had started to start working with Student Voice, and then he asked me, telling him what I was doing and what I was up to, and he said, well, have you ever thought about taking a gap year? And I said, absolutely not. I've never, it's never crossed my mind. And then he said, well, if you do, I'll, I'll fund it. And I said, well, all right. And then I, I called you up a couple months later, and uh, the rest was history. We've been, we've been uh, in touch ever since. Yeah. 
I have to, if I can add, when yes. I met Merritt, I kept saying to myself, I'm pretty sure she says she's a high school senior, but how could she be so on top of so many interesting right. issues? Mm-hmm. And I'm in my mind thinking she should be U.S. Secretary of Education, <laughs> and yet she's a high school senior. So it's kind of incredible. Yeah, she's dynamic, and we're glad to have her a part of this vodcast. What are a few of your favorite moments from your time visiting schools, Ted? Well, there were so many. I mean, I wrote this book where I profile all these great examples. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say if I had to put one highlight, I was blown away by the commitment and the dedication of our teachers in the field. And and when I started the trip, I I had a positive feeling about teachers. You know, if somebody said, what do you think of teachers? I said, oh, you know, I like teachers. They're great. It changed, you know, going from school after school and hearing them Mm. share their passionate stories. And one of my most blow away moments was when I was in the middle of Kansas at the National Teachers Hall of Fame. Right. And they have this chapel on a knoll with the, these memorials to the teachers who've given their lives to protect students from shooters. And there's so many up there and you're just blown away. And you, I have to say, what struck me then was we trust teachers with the lives of our kids and they will defend those kids to the point of dying. Yet somehow in our country, we don't trust teachers with their own lesson plans. It's kind of incredible. Wow. I'm sitting here listening to you say that, and I am totally speechless by that. And I'm sure that has really just helped to solidify the work that you're doing and highlighting what teachers are doing. So why, do student-led, why does student-led learning and whole child education need to be a top priority for business leaders? Well. I think it gets back to what the world will be like for kids once they leave school. Mm -hmm. And we all know that, who do you want to work with? Somebody who's self-driven, someone who can identify opportunities to make things better, someone that can draw on resources, a whole set of things that are essential skills to be a contributing member of an organization or a community, career skills, citizenship skills. Mm -hmm. And yet, those are the things that often get pushed out of schools because we obsess around test scores. And when we obsess about those scores and reduce school to kids memorizing content for high stakes tests that really have nothing to do with preparing kids for career and citizenship, we are letting those kids down in a huge way. And differentially, I think, disadvantaging the kids trying to escape poverty. Because the rich kids have tutors and support and parents that push them through Mm -hmm. this garbage. The poor kids are often on their own. And when you take out of the equation, intrinsic motivation or authenticity or real purpose in the learning, right? those kids, I think for very good reasons, kind of check out on the process. And, and it's the difference between what's possible and what generally happens, not always happens, but generally happens is vast. And so I get really excited when I see the things that are going really well because we know what to do. It's just we're not doing enough of it. How do we get business leaders like yourself who are very passionate about this involved in this whole child education approach? What would you say to a business leader who's listening to this vodcast? I, I, would, I would like to talk directly to you. Yes. I think one of the issues with business leaders, we, we all went to school, right? So mm-hmm. because we all went to school, we all view ourselves as experts. So I say to business leaders, I've got a great suggestion. How would you feel if your board of directors was comprised entirely of teachers? And they'd say, what? What do teachers know about business? And I say, how do you feel about shoving down your views, shallow views without any homework that you've done down the throats of our schools? Well, I went to school, of course I should do that. And and the reality is I I never wanna be introduced as an education expert. I I wanna be introduced as a cheerleader for the people doing the very hard work in our schools that show us what can be done. 
But I think it's really important for any business leader who thinks they want to contribute to take time and really think about what skills, what mindsets do they want in the people they're hiring, and then actually look at the accountability exams that determine where a kid stands in class rank, whether a kid can graduate from high school, look at those questions and ask, is this actually preparing kids for what I want in my organization? And that disconnect isn't this big. It's not this big. Mm -hmm. It goes from here to career. It's just like vast. And, right. and when we get that wrong, when we hold our schools accountable to measures that are convenient for data walks, but have nothing to do with preparing kids for their future, we are letting down kids who trust us to make good decisions. Merit, I want to bring you in because I think this is so key when you said, Ted, about preparing our kids for the future, because that's what happened in the story that you shared. That's what I heard when you said that this businessman came to you and said, hey, you ever thought about taking a gap year and I'll fund it? What did that do, that moment do for you and your, your future? I mean, it allowed me to think about possibilities that I had never even considered. I think I was given really broad constraints and he said you know send me a proposal and we'll talk through it and what I wanted to do was like I wanted to go see for myself a lot of what you were seeing so I went on the road with a colleague and I went and I went and I saw the the documentary the school that he showed in the documentary and our viewers and listeners can go watch most likely to succeed and see examples of real world project-based learning with real stakes and that's what I was given I was given the opportunity to go and visit schools ask students important questions. I was investigating the new Every Student Succeeds Act that had just been passed and mm -hmm. they were having, at the time, all the states were having to make their plans. And I said, you know, what if we included students in, in the way we talked about that? Um, and so I was able to go do that. I met with people all over and it was really just, it was that kind of opportunity. I had not really fully been given in school to, right. to really learn things. And I learned more in that year than I learned in all four years of undergrad, certainly. Um, because I was able to go and I had, and sometimes I failed, sometimes I would set up a tour stop and I would get there and it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. Um, but you, you really set up stakes that allowed me to have real meaningful learning experiences. And, and that's what we wanna to give to all young people. We want them to be able to have project-based learning where they're solving problems, not just memorizing things, mm -hmm. um, because that's what the world demands. I was just thinking about how I was um, out in high tech high and asking folks about their experiences in schools. And I ended up working with several high tech high graduates and I would hire them with student voice because they came out of high tech high prepared to like answer and solve problems. And I think that's what we, we have to make sure that our young people, if they're gonna be successful after graduating high school, that they need to know how to build those kinds of like hard and soft skills to, mm -hmm. and then have public accountability and bring the community in. That's the community piece of whole child education. Right. Um, so much of what the film shows is the big stakes are presenting your learning to your community and, and the fear of you know letting your community down. And I mm -hmm. think that is really crucial and something I, I wanna see a lot more of in South yeah. Carolina. I love that. This is such a great conversation and we're still just building upon this conversation. Ted and Mary, I'm so glad that you guys are here. Thank you for adding your stories and your experience to this conversation. In the next segment, Barnett Berry, one of our regular contributors, will join us to continue our conversation with Ted. Barnett is a research professor and senior director for policy and innovation at U of SC's College of Education.
This season, we have heard about incredible innovations happening in our communities, our state, and now across the country. Our conversations have developed a shared vision for the future of education in South Carolina. But it's our last episode of the season, and we want to leave you with more than hope. We want to leave you with answers about how we can actually create real education transformation in our state. And we welcome our guests for this segment, uh, Barnett and Ted. Welcome back. Great to be here. Glad to be here. Glad to ha have you here. Ted, what lessons have you learned from the world of venture capital that can help us spread the bright spots that are already taking place in education? Great question. The world of venture capital is about supporting people to pursue their dreams, not telling people what to do. In education, we do a lot of telling people what to do, telling students what they have to learn, telling teachers how they have to teach it. And if you step back and say, how many people do great things when they're told they have to do something that they have no voice in and don't believe in? The answer is no one rises to that kind of challenge. Mm. It's so different when you say, what are your dreams? How can I help you pursue those. And it works with students and it works with teachers because they all have dreams. They all have things they're anxious to do. Right. And it's really about creating the conditions that support people to do what they think is important. Mm -hmm. Barnett, I see you shaking yeah. your head a lot to what Ted is saying. What would you like to add to that? Well, Ted really answered that question so pointedly. Uh, I will not get really wonky with us all today <laughs> and, and cite all the hundreds of research studies that I would love to. Uh, but let me give you three major headlines uh, from really hundreds of studies over decades of why schools uh, that Ted is describing, that Merritt was describing, mm -hmm. have not gone to scale in this yeah. country of ours. One, uh, when we do reform, school reform in the United States, we um, don't actually tend to the felt needs of those who are going to implement those mm -hmm. reforms. Uh, that's the students, the parents, and the teachers primarily. That's number one. Uh, number two, we have never um, seen teachers as an interlocking group of professionals like you see in other fields, whether it's in medicine, architecture, or even in venture capital. Mm -hmm. We've never seen them as professionals to spread expertise to each other across school, across district, across state. And then finally, it's not that we don't reform in, in the United States and in South Carolina school reform. We do it all the time, but we do it as a program, not a strategy. We have actually too many reforms. We've got to get rid of stuff, Ro, mm -hmm. in order to do the kind of innovation that, fed, uh, that Ted has described so poignantly in his book and here with us this afternoon. So it's moving past this whole thing of reform and really going into transformation. So then how do we transform it? How do we do it? Yeah. Well, I think it starts with actually engaging more of those who are doing the great work, the teachers, the students, and the parents. We've got to do it, build it more from the grassroots up. One of the things that keeps me hopeful, Ted, is that 67% of parents and the public in this country give our teachers an A or a B, and they do almost the same kind of numbers for their local public schools. Mm. They're, they're, there's enough folks out there that really want what we're talking about here we just got to mobilize them in ways that we haven't done so in the past. How do you see transformation taking place? Well, the good news is if you go to any school, any district, any state, and I've done a lot of that, you'll find people doing amazing things. Mm -hmm. It's not as though we need to invent something that's beyond our reach, like nuclear fusion. Mm -hmm. It's happening. It's happening right now in every school across the country. It's just happening sort of in bits and pieces. But innovation can be contagious, and innovation can actually spread. 
And so what we really focus on is try to identify those clusters and encourage co-innovation because it's so much more powerful to be doing bold and different things yourself in conjunction with others doing their own variants of bold and interesting things. And so when we can get that to happen at a school level or mm -hmm. at a district level, or we've even had success at the state level, it just gets everybody energized and excited. I love that. I could get really practical here on the policy side because I'm thinking about some of the top performing education jurisdictions around the country, mm -hmm. Rowan Ted. They, when, when a school really does great stuff, they actually don't give them a, a letter grade A and put them up on a pedestal and say, you're so much better than everybody else. What they do is actually invest more in that school, not to just reward the educators there, but to actually give them the tools and resources to spread what they have done right. well here over there. So we cute. can do that here in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. You know, that goes back to what Ted just said about innovation being contagious. It can spread instead of it working in silos and in buildings. Is that what it's, you're saying? Yeah, Barnett? it's got to be intentional, though. It can mm -hmm. be by happenstance and serendipity. And that's kind of the problem that we have. We have great stuff happen by serendipity, yeah. not strategy. And, and one of the important challenges but opportunities is to bring clarity to what the overall goals are. I, I love the saying, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Mm -hmm. And when we work with groups of parents or concerned citizens or business people, whatever, and say, what are the skills and mindsets that kids need to have coming out of school? There's general alignment. You know, they need to be creative problem solvers. They need to collaborate. They need to be good at critical analysis. I mean, people generally gravitate to the same goals. And then when you say, is the way we've standardized curriculum, are the high stakes standardized tests leading kids to develop those skills and mindsets? The answer is not only is it not fostering those skills and mindsets, it's eroding them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think calling the public's attention to where do we wanna go and then trusting teachers to help us get there is the single most important thing we could do. Someone's listening to this vodcast and asking, there's been decisions and discussion about stakeholders and, and business people and policymakers and all those things, but how can the parents get involved? How can the person who's really passionate and says, yeah, I see what you guys are saying here about the whole child approach, how can I get involved? What is it that they can tangibly do next? What needs to happen next? You wanna take a shot yeah. at that? Uh, having gotten my start as a concerned parent, I, I have some empathy here. Parents care desperately about the future of their kids. Mm -hmm. I think that it's important for parents to do a bit of homework. And I know that what I was concerned about up front, which was why they get a B on this, or you know, uh, you weren't clear enough about the assignment, or a bunch of things that I look back and say, I understood why I was concerned about them, but they were the wrong things. Mm. And I think if parents step back and say, what skills and mindsets do I hope my child will develop through these precious years of school, and then let's work together in our education setting to make sure the learning challenges actually foster those skills and mindsets. That's very constructive input. And I think that's the way parents can advocate well for their kids and work constructively with the schools that they have a high opinion of and, and are trusting and counting on to do good things. As a parent, I love that. And I'm gonna take, take on that challenge, Ted Barnett. And I was gonna say also, when it comes to parents, I think our schools, and we've learned a few things during this awfulness of the pandemic about how to reach parents when they cannot get to our, the school buildings. Mm -hmm. How do we use technology to really engage and support the kind of shared vision we're talking about here, where parents really do have much more of a voice uh, in what takes place in their schools, and they work with teachers who they trust. Um, yes. 
because parents do trust teachers to do mm -hmm. the right thing, but we've got to create even stronger partnerships between the parents, the kids, uh, and the teachers. I'm going to pick your brain one more time. There's been so much that you all have shared that's been really helpful, but if you can leave our audience with just one more thing, what would that one more thing, what was it that you would want them to know? I will say, I hate to repeat myself because I think I've said this on other episodes too, uh, everything that needs to be done is being done somewhere mm. in South Carolina and across the nation. We just need a strategy to put the pieces of the puzzle together. I'm sorry, I just keep having to beat that drum. Ted? I would, I would observe the following. These kids, I believe deeply, every kid has their own special set of gifts. School prioritizes a very narrow set of increasingly irrelevant skills. And I would encourage parents to step back and say, I am here to support my child to explore and develop their own special ways to contribute to the world. And if school isn't valuing that, mm -hmm. the problem is really the school metrics and not the child's limitations. Because these kids do have amazing gifts that we just need to help them blossom and flourish instead of, you know, telling them to buckle down and memorize more content that <clears throat> honestly nobody has any evidence that they actually retain. Mm -hmm. Ro, I gotta say, if anybody has a question about what whole child education is, mm -hmm. what Ted just said is the most perfect definition of what whole child education is about. I love this. Thank you, Ted, for joining us. Thank you, Barnett, for joining us for this episode of Elevate Ed for SC. And thank you, Barnett, as always. Listeners and viewers, thank you for being a part of the conversation we've had this season and for being a part of the future of education in South Carolina. We've already seen some incredible things happen and there are many more innovations to come. This may be the end of the season, but it's not over. We will have more lively and engaging conversations coming your way in season two later this year. If you have stories you want us to you want to hear about in season two, send us an email by visiting our website, elevateedforsc.com. Keep up with us on social media over your summer break. Our content will continue there. If you're a podcast listener, please subscribe through Apple or Spotify to get the first notification when season two begins. And leave us a five-star review if you like what you hear. You've been elevated. See you next time. Make sure to connect to ElevateEdForSC.com for this episode's show notes, stories, and additional research. Follow us on social media at ElevateEdForSC and tell us what you think about what we've discussed today. Drop us a DM or visit our website to shoot us an email. Elevate Ed for SC is a production of U of SC's College of Education and College of Information and Communications in partnership with All for SC and the Tri-County Cradle to Career Collaborative.